Amen. God bless you guys. Good to see everybody this morning. Amen. You glad to be here? Yes. Amen. God bless you guys who are watching by Facebook. We bless you <clears throat> in the name of the Lord. One thing that we didn't mention when we did the um, announcement uh, this morning about our Labor Day picnic, if you want to be water baptized, uh, we are doing a water baptism that day as well. <clears throat> and so if you want to be a part of that, uh, please make sure you see Alex in the blue shirt on the front row. We make sure you uh, get water baptized. Uh, so we, uh, we had Nate get water baptized last week. Everybody welcome Nate to the house of God. I know Nate's uh, parents, and he's a great guy, and uh, he's made a commitment to follow Christ, and he just got water baptized last week. But if there's other people, you know, you've made a commitment to Christ, I really want to encourage you to take that next step in getting water baptized. Uh, God is looking for covenant keepers, amen, that uh, follow him. And so I want to encourage you to do that. So that's coming up next week. So praise the Lord. <clears throat> didn't want to blow your ears out there. So we've been on this, uh, this series of growing in the favor of God, and um, this is week seven, so if you've been taking notes, hopefully you've got several things on your list of about what attracts the favor of God to our lives. And we're all growing in the favor of God, and uh, I can see that God is continuing to move on our hearts. And so I just want to quickly review briefly what uh, Jeff Julian shared last week because it, uh, it was a good message, it was, uh, um, there was a lot of stuff packed into it, but I just want to briefly go over the things he talked about last week in Growing in Favor. He talked about growing in our honor towards three different spheres of leadership in our lives, and he talked about how, how we are to honor governmental leadership. I even had a discussion with somebody this week, and what, what happens when you were supposed to honor government leadership and they're asking us to do evil or things that are not contrary to the word. And I, I want to make sure when we're talking about honoring leadership that we understand that we're still to follow God and what God says. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. And there are times in, in the history of Israel and, and the history of even our nation where the government has encroached upon things within the body of Christ that are, that are contrary to God's word. And so... We can still be honoring and put people in a place of honor and reverence and, and high value and still not follow that evil law. Can I have an amen on that? The body of Christ has been doing that for years when it comes to abortion, when our government is sanctifying abortion and the body of Christ is saying that goes against God's word. And so we don't submit to those, those ungodly laws within the government. But the, there is something that God is wanting to do in the body of Christ, that when we honor authority... Our honoring them does something in the heart of God that blesses the heart of God, and it, it, blo it blows favor towards you. You know, it, it, I even shared this week with somebody that if, if you will honor authority, then the time comes when your voice is needed to be heard, and when you've honored authority, it actually gives you a place of honor. It actually makes room for you to be a voice. So when we have the things that are going on in the school system and we have things that are going on, when we honor those in authority, it actually opens the door for God to use our voice when we honor authority. Can I have an amen on that? And so he talked about governmental leadership. He talked about leadership in the home and how we're to honor leadership within the home and, and church leadership. And so we're to honor and highly esteem these three areas of leadership 
And and this type of, when we do this, it attracts the favor of God. And we grow in favor when we do that. And so, and then he, he left us with three Three challenges last week. Hopefully, if you want to call it homework, if you want to call it action plan, whatever you want to call it. But he challenged us last week. And I want you to say, I do want to say, I did not put Jeff Juliet up to that message, okay? So just so you know, he was being led of the Spirit of God, and he gave you a message from God in his personality and his voice. But I did not challenge him to say that. But I will say this. It was kind of interesting. He didn't know it, and I didn't know it. But as he challenged us to tithe over the next three weeks just to see what God does, it was the lowest tithe we've had in probably 15 years last week. It was the craziest thing. The very day he preaches, it was our lowest tithe we've had in 15 years. It was like... Uh, did he know something that we didn't know, you know, that was coming down the pike? But it's funny. He, he really challenged us to, to honor God with our wealth. He even used that passage out of Proverbs 3. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, I realize that all of us are not farmers, but we get a paycheck. But the Lord, he says, honor him with your tithe. Honor him with your wealth. And so he's challenged us to watch what God does. If you'll just do that for the next three weeks and tithe, watch what God will do as he opens the storehouse of heaven and he pours out favor towards you in your finances. Has that happened to anybody in this house? Come on louder. Has it happened to anyone in this house? I'm telling you, man, when you give to God, it comes back to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over, but gets poured into your lap. God is good. Can I have an amen? And then he challenged us, husbands and wives, honor your children, honor, show honor in your home and teach your children how to honor others. And so he challenged us to do that. And the third thing, he said, go out of your way to honor your pastors. Again, I did not put him up on that, but I did enjoy some of the things that brought, were brought my way this week. Thank you. God bless you. Um, but one thing I want to, I want to say is, um, Honoring your spiritual leadership within the church is is definitely something that is on the heart of God And there's a lots of scriptures on that and it's really even hard to teach on that Because you know our hearts are to serve the body of Christ not to be served and so uh, but anyway I hope this week you've done some of that and you've put that into practice But today's message is still is going to be revolving around favor and God's favor on our lives It's still revolving around honor and humility but I want to take a little, di- a little different twist on today's message. And uh, have you ever felt like giving up on relationships? <laughs> have you ever wanted to quit with your spouse? Have you ever wanted to quit on a friend? Have you ever wanted to quit coming to church? Have you ever wanted to quit on God? Have you ever wanted to just, really... Take a break from relationships. We've, always, we've all been at a place where people have frustrated the daylights out of us. We've all been betrayed. We've all been hurt. We've all seen people's lives, and we go, Ugh, don't want to have anything part with that, right? But where I want to go with today, and the Lord really laid this on my heart, and it really was, it was confirmed even this morning as the prophetic team came out from their prayer time, and they were talking about some stuff. It really brought confirmation that we're going in the right direction with this whole series and what God's doing. But the next thing that I want to talk about, what, what attracts the favor of God to you, is when you're a person, God, God is attracted by people who keep covenant. 
Covenant with God and covenant with man. Remember that passage that we've been, we talked about at the very beginning of this message. We talked about how that Jesus grew in both favor with God and man. And that there is this tie between our relationship with God and our relationship with people. That you cannot really say you love God and don't, and don't love people. It, it just, you can't say I'm a lover of God and then not treat people and love people. You, you're, you're actually, you know, you can't love people without even loving God. And so there's this thing where uh, people of covenant attract the favor of God. So if you're taking notes today, you might want to put that in your notes today, that, that people of covenant attract the favor of God. And I'm going to get into that today, and we're going to start unpacking that a little bit today, and we'll see how far we get. But, um, you know, when we started this church 23 years ago, it's hard to believe it's been 23 years. And we started it in my basement, and, it was, and we called this place New Covenant Worship Center for a reason. As, we, as many guys, we got around, and we were praying, and we were seeking God's face, these, these, these words came out as we prayed and sought the Lord. What do you want to call this church plant? What do you want to call us? And we came up with this name, New Covenant Worship Center. And there's a reason why, and probably even back then we didn't even know and understand the reason completely. But God had a reason for calling us and telling us to call this church New Covenant. He wants a people of covenant, and he wants a people of worship. Everybody say that. He wants a people of covenant, and he wants a people of worship. Okay? I'm not going to get into all the details of the name right now, but I just, I think it's important. I can't tell you how many times over the last 23 years that I've had to spell the word covenant. People don't know how to spell it, let alone do it. We're not really good at walking in covenant. Covenant with God and covenant with man. We're really not very good. We quit really easy. Marriages, 50% of the marriages in, in, in America are quitting. They're throwing in the towel. Nope. That covenant, that word covenant, marriage covenant, nope, it, it doesn't happen. So I want to go in today, and I want to read a couple passages out of Exodus um, concerning covenant and where covenant got originated in the Word of God, and, and we're going to start undoing those. There's that word. I should, uh, yeah, I should have put that up earlier. People of covenant attract the favor of God. But let's look at Exodus chapter 19, and, and we're gonna, I'm going to begin to just unpack this a little bit about covenant, and we're going to begin to see and ask the Spirit of God in our own lives, how are we doing with covenant? And so in Exodus 19, verses 4 through 5, Moses, this is a passage with, where Moses has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt bondage. They've been there in slavery for 400 years. And this is what God says. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to, did to, did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. I love that. God brought Israel to himself. Isn't that beautiful? Now, if you obey me fully and keep what? My covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. And so God has brought the children out of bondage. He's brought them out to the desert, and he is now beginning to visit with them. He's beginning to now say, I want to be your God. Will you be my people? 
And if you will obey me and you will, and you will keep my covenant, I, I will make you my treasured possession. There will be such blessing on you. And so a few chapters later, then Moses, uh, he goes to the people. And you really ought to read this. If you go to 19 and read through 24 or 25, it's just amazing the language and the relationship that you can see that God is wanting to have with Israel. And so Moses, you know, goes to the mountain and God tells him all these things of the covenant and what he wants and what he desires for his people. And then Moses, it's beautiful, then Moses comes off the mountain and then he goes and he addresses the people. Hey guys, this is what God wants. He says he wants this and he wants this and he wants to know if we'll be his people. He's wanting to know, will, will we come into covenant with him? And the people go, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do all that God says that we'll do. And now we know the history of Israel. They weren't real faithful, were they? But in this, in this, in this time, it, it's just beautiful how God, he, he lays out this covenant with Moses. And, then he, and, and Moses goes to the people and says, hey, here's what he's saying. If we'll make this agreement with him, if we'll make this covenant with him, this is what he's going to do. And so Moses then, uh, and the people say yes. And so now the covenant is going to be sealed with blood. They're going to make a blood covenant. And so Moses takes the blood of these bulls and he sprinkles the blood on the people. And he says, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. So a little bit about covenant in the Old Testament that we have to have a little history here is when people made covenants, and so if Karen came to me and we were making a covenant agreement to do something together to say, you know, in Israel's history, it, they may make a covenant with uh, another nation and that they're going to a, a, a treaty. But what they would do is they would take uh, two bulls, they would take uh, two animals, they would take goats, bulls, and doves. And they, what they would do it is they would, they would split the animal in half. They would put the animal on the altar. This is really gross, okay? They would put the animal on the altar. They would split it in half. They would separate the two parts. And then the two parties would walk through the mess. What do you think was on the altar? Blood, uh, blood and guts. And they would walk through the animals. And when they get on the other side of it, they would look back and they would say, if one of us breaks this covenant with each other, may this that has happened to them happen to us. That's how serious they took covenant. That's how serious they took covenant in the Old Testament. And so Moses, in this situation, he's, he's killed an animal, he's sprinkled the blood over the, 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 the Torah, and he's actually sprinkled blood over the people as they've made this covenant. And so what the people would have known, we're going to die keeping this covenant with God. Okay? Is that, that's kind of the picture of what covenant is. And so we in America don't have that in our heritage. We don't have that in the, in the, in the history. Well, we have some shedding of blood for sure. But the covenant... And if you take this word here, covenant, in both of these passages, we're going to start looking at what does it really mean to be in covenant with God and in covenant with each other. And so here's the definition out of Webster's for covenant. It's really, it's really weak, but it's okay. Webster says to make a promise by covenant or a pledge 
It's a formal, solemn, and binding agreement between two parties. But the word here in the Hebrew, and I didn't put the Hebrew word up because it's just hard to even say, but it is derived from the root word, which means to cut. And, and hence, a covenant is a cutting with reference to the cutting and dividing of animals into two parts and the contracting parties passing between them in making a covenant. So it is a cut. Uh, to, to cut a covenant is, is a serious thing. And so I don't know if you guys remember this. When I was a child, and I don't even remember how it was talked about, but have you ever heard the term blood brother? And I can remember it vaguely in my elementary or junior high, and you would cut your finger, and you would put that blood of your finger on the, your brother, and you're, you were making it a covenant with your brother that you would always be faithful to each other. And it really it went across my mind this weekend. I remember that a long time ago. And so covenant is this thing, this, this binding, this cut, to, to, to cut a covenant with God and to cut a covenant with each other is a really, really serious thing. I've, I've kind of simplified the, the, the definition into this that might help us in our present tense. A covenant is a chosen relationship or partnership in which two or more parties make binding promises to stay faithful to each other and to work together to reach a common goal. Let's read that again. A covenant is a chosen relationship or partnership in which two or more parties make binding promises to stay faithful to each other and to work together to reach a common goal. So when it comes to making a covenant with God, it is a chosen relationship. I have said yes to God. God has said yes to me. And I make a binding promise to be faithful to him and to work with him on his purpose and his goal that he has for my life. Anybody done that yet? made that kind of a covenant with God. And so, <laughs> I tell you, guys, as, I, as I'm talking, I can almost feel resistance in the spirit because there is literally not that kind of covenant keeping in America. Even in marriages, you just don't see that kind of stuff in America. Do you, do you guys see that? I see it some, but not a lot. So the passage that I want to kind of look at that is part of the covenant is, and this is Jesus' own words, because they came to him, they said, Lord, what is the most important, um, important commandment of the covenant? What is the most important thing that, that, that we need to keep as people? in the covenant with you. And this is what Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Every, I think one, one version of the Bible says the, the, that all the law hang on these two commandments. So in essence, what this means is if we will get these two right of being in covenant with God and loving God and being in covenant with people and loving people well, if we'll do that, everything else will fall into place. 
Everything else will be fulfilled. All the other ten commandments, all the other eight commandments, all the other things of the law, all the other things of the requirements of God, all those things, all of that covenant, all that covenant keeping hang upon these two commandments. And if we'll just focus on these two things, everything else will be well. So what if, just what if, if because we're not walking in this kind of covenant, what if favor is eluding us? What if favor is not coming to our lives because we are not walking in this kind of covenant, this kind of love towards God and each other? What if? What if it eludes me? Now, in the Old Testament, God made a covenant with Moses, which we just read. God made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham, he made a covenant with Isaac, he made a covenant with Jacob, and even in the New Testament, he made a covenant with us, sealed in Jesus' blood, right? The theme of covenant is both in the Old and New Testament, and in this, in, in the Scripture, in the Word of God, covenant is throughout the both New, it's called New Testament, Old Testament, or New Covenant, Old Covenant, right? That's where we get the term to. But it, it, it's, it, in, the, in the Bible, it is throughout this whole thing that covenant, that, that the term covenant is where God binds his heart to you. God's made a covenant with you, and he's bound his heart to you. And he said, I will remain faithful to you. That's what God's covenant is to you. He says, I will remain, I will be, I, I will keep my faithfulness towards you. I will, my fidelity, my faithfulness, I will have no other but you. That's what he's saying in covenant with us. Covenant binds him, he binds himself to his people in relationship, in faithfulness and care. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Just as a husband pledges himself to be faithful to his wife, God pledges his fidelity and his faithfulness to you, and he promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. So God in his covenant towards you, he, he has paid the whole price. He, he has more on this covenant thing that we have. It's more on him than it is on you. Can I have an amen on that? But in Hosea 2.21 and Ephesians 5, God describes his relationship with us in the covenant just like he does explain the covenant between a husband and wife. He says this covenant he makes with us is a binding covenant. It's a solemn one, and, it's, it, and God remains faithful to his covenant with us even when we don't remain faithful to him. Is anybody glad that God has remained faithful to you and to you and to you even when you haven't been faithful to him? Is anybody glad? Is anybody glad that he didn't quit on you? When you in that spirit of stupid... And you guys all know what I'm talking about. Because I've seen some of your stupid. And you've seen some of mine. Aren't you glad that God has remained faithful in his love and his covenant with you? All throughout the Old Testament, Israel was unfaithful. And often they left God. 
but God remained faithful and he chose not to quit on Israel. If there's anything you learn in the Old Testament, you see God's faithfulness to his covenant with Israel. That is why our nation is constantly in favor of Israel. And today, his covenant of love is extended to us and offered to us through Jesus Christ. And his offer is beautiful. Can I have an amen on that? But he offers this binding covenant between us and him. And what he's done is Jesus has sealed the covenant, the new covenant. The old covenant was sealed with the blood of bulls. And it was sprinkled on the Torah or the word of God. And it was sprinkled on the people. But now the blood of Jesus, the new covenant has been sealed in his blood. And his blood has now been sprinkled on our hearts. And we've been forgiven. We've been washed through the blood of Christ. Can I have an amen on that? So in the same way as Moses sprinkled that blood on the scroll with the hyssop, so Christ has sealed the covenant with his blood, and I say praise the name of Jesus. But here's the deal. God is a God of covenant, and he's looking for a people who will be in covenant not only with him, but we will live out that covenant with people. And here's where it gets ugly. I mean really, really ugly. Does anybody know how ugly it gets? Let's look at it from a marriage standpoint. What do we say in marriages? Has anybody been married? If you've been married in here, raise your hand. Amen. Praise God. If you desire to be married, raise your hand. <laughs> All right. God's going to bless you. David, quit that. You're already married. Here's what we say. I promise to honor and cherish you. To be faithful to you. For better, for worse. In sickness and in health. For richer or poorer. As long as we both shall live. We are saying, no matter what, I won't give up on our covenant relationship with each other. In the marriage covenant, we give up our right to quit as we walk together with Christ, seeking to do his will in our marriage, in our relationship. Can I have an amen on that? In a marriage covenant, we protect our relationship by serving our spouse, by sacrificing for each other, for caring for each other, no matter what. This is a solemn and weighty act. It's a weighty agreement that two parties make that is supposed to be binding. It's supposed to be a marriage covenant. Now, I realize that many people fall short of that, what we just said. But that is a promise. That is a covenant. That's what covenant is. Two parties coming together in an agreement for a purpose. And how often do we get hurt within that marriage covenant? How often does someone disappoint us? How many times does the actions of the other party 
not line up with the promise they've made. Mm. And just like I preached several weeks ago, that our honor is unconditional. Our love for each other is to be unconditional. And it's not supposed to be based. Now, I'm not saying that we go through abuse and take a beating and, and, and don't, uh, don't hear me say that. Because there are conditions that the Word of God has set out to why we don't honor the marriage covenant. Okay, are you with me? Yeah. If your spouse is cheating on you, that is not right. Can I have an amen on that? I get that. So please don't hear me say that there's no way out if you're in an abusive situation. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that we have got to be a people of covenant. And we've got to elevate covenant in our, in our, in our homes because we have to represent something. Marriage has always been something to represent something to the earth. And God compares it again in Ephesians 5. He compares his relationship between you and me to that of a marriage. And he says, I want that marriage to be holy. I want it to be set apart. I want you to be faithful to each other so that the world can see what I look like. When you see my wife and I, you should see a demonstration of the glory of God in our marriage that represents the beauty of our God. If you don't, come talk to me. I'll correct Karen later. <laughs> Joke. But many people fail in our culture to take this marriage covenant serious. And this is a, and, and there, you know, even uh, Elena and I were going through a, the, the culture of honor videos, and it was amazing, Danny Silk, who teaches that series, he said, there was everything running against me and my wife, Sherry, and I when it came to our marriage. He said, behind Sherry and behind me, there were 12 divorces. 12 divorces. He said, you want to know what my view of covenant was? Look at the 12 histories of divorces behind me. And they, stuck, they, they, stood, they stood together. They, they didn't quit in their marriage, praise the Lord. But it was through uh, a lot of hard knocks that they made their covenant work. And so I realize in our culture, we don't see, we see about 50% of marriages ending, but even the marriages that don't end, you don't really see covenant. You see a lot of ugly. Can I have an amen on that? And we're working on that. That's why people get frustrated why we do premarital counseling here. There's a reason. We're reestablishing covenant. And we take covenant very, very serious here at New Covenant. <laughs> But God does not want, God does not break his covenant with us, but he does not want us to break our covenant with him, and he doesn't want us to break our covenant with each other. And he's looking for a covenant people who will, who will not quit with him, and they will not quit with each other. He's looking for a people who choose to honor him first and then honor others as well based upon a covenant and a promise that we make. And then when we do, f favor flows to the people who walk out covenant. Did you hear me? Favor flows to the people who walk out covenant. And covenant attracts the favor of God. Say that with me. F 
covenant attracts the favor of God. Say it with me again. Favor. Covenant attracts the favor of God. Get it right, Eric. Covenant attracts the favor of God. Yes, covenant attracts the favor of God. And so, Father, we do say we're in covenant with you. We are a covenant people in Jesus' name. So my question this morning is, how are you currently in covenant with God? Have you given up your right to quit with God? Do you love, honor, cherish that relationship with him? Even when things don't go the way you want? I really liked what McKinley said. She talked about patience this morning. Um, sometimes we're impatient with God, right? Sometimes we're impatient with each other. Are you in covenant with him? Have you given your right to quit away? Do you obey him? Do you keep faithful to him? Have you made a covenant with God? Have you promised something to him? I'll never forget when I was a fresh, getting ready to be a freshman in college, and I thought I was dying. <laughs> I had crushed my foot on a piece of equipment at the bridge site, and it got caught. The, the jaws of the piece of equipment slammed on my foot, and uh, I thought I was going to bleed to death and die. <laughs> and I'll never forget it wasn't exactly a covenant. It was more like begging, God, if you'll save my foot, I'll serve you the rest of my life. <laughs> Anybody ever done that? I was desperate. I thought I was in a lot worse shape. Went freshman year of college and on crutches and everything worked out. But you, have anybody ever did those desperate, God, if you'll rescue me from this situation, I'll serve you forever. I must be the only one that's ever done that. <laughs> All you others need to repent from lying. No. <laughs> One thing that as I was preparing this message, though, and it really helped me to have grace for people in the church and, and in my life, because I realized as I was preparing this message, there's no way you can be in covenant with me or this church if you're not first in covenant with God. It's impossible. So when I see that people's lives are a mess and they're not in covenant with God, why would I ever expect them to be in covenant with me? Why would I ever expect them to be faithful to me? It really requires us to put God in his rightful place and be surrendered to him just like we sang this morning and to be in covenant with him. You'll never keep covenant with anybody else if you're not keeping it with him. Does that make sense? And so first thing you've got to get right is, am I truly in covenant with God, or am I just looking for a temporary fix with him to get me out of my jams? That you can only answer. And I find that many people in the body of Christ, they're really at church and they're in the house because they're wanting their needs met. But the primary goal of God is not to meet your needs. The primary goal of God is that you meet his needs and that you fulfill his purpose. That you're in covenant with him for his purpose of making disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. That actually you're here to be a part of the, the, the call of what God wants in the earth. That you're here for an agreement that, hey, we're going to raise up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. That's what we're going to do. So are you in covenant with God or are you just wanting all your needs met? 
Because what I say is if you'll be in covenant with God, all your needs will be met. If you will seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, he says all those things that you're longing for will just fall into place. But so many times we're seeking God for his hand. We're seeking what he can do for us rather than being in a covenant relationship with him. And I say that there's many in the body of Christ that truly aren't even born again because they haven't made covenant with God. They're, actually, they're just actually trying to make Santa Claus out of God. And I pray that's not you. Have you made covenant with this almighty God? Have you said, you will be my God and I will be your people. I will follow you. I will give up my right to quit as I follow you. Even if I don't get what I want. The song that we sang this morning was perfect. If you say go, I'll go. If you say no, I won't go. Are you in covenant with God? And if you're not, or if you're partway, or if your toe's in, but the rest of your body's out, I say get all in. Dive in, as that song said. And the other question I have for you is, are you in covenant with us? Have you given up your right to quit with me and with the people seated in this sanctuary? Have you given up your right to quit as we walk together to fulfill God's purpose here at New Covenant? Do you honor, love, and cherish the people of this church? Are you in covenant with us? I really believe if we're going to be a church that has a culture of honor in this house, we've got to be a a people of covenant with God and a people of covenant with each other in relationships. That we live to honor and protect our relationships. That we would hold the people in this church in such high honor and high esteem and high value that we would take a bullet for them. And I believe when we do this, it attracts the favor of God. Are you here for, is the church here for you or are you here for the church? Are you living to protect us? If we're a covenant people, walking away from each other is not one of my options. I'm going to say that again. If we're a covenant people in this house, walking away from each other is not one of my options. When conflict comes, when disagreement comes, my covenant is what keeps me connected to you. Just like my wife, my covenant, the promise I've made to her is what keeps me connected to her. It's what keeps me being patient with her. It's what keeps her being patient with me. Glory, hallelujah. My covenant is what keeps me connected to you because I've made a promise and a binding agreement, a solemn vow to love and honor God and to love and honor you unconditionally. And what I find most of the time, that is a one-way street in the body of Christ. It's not mutual. It's not two-way. Most people want covenant from me, but they don't want covenant to me. Has anybody ever experienced that? 
Practicing covenant relationship only shows up when there is a problem or when you and I disagree. When you and I just don't quite see eye to eye. As soon as conflict comes in our culture, most people go, whoop, they abandon the covenant. Most people get angry, gossip, complain, and withdraw relationally, or they even quit. And they become really, really passive aggressive. <laughs> Doggy. I think that was a zinger. <laughs> when we come in conflict and disagreement, it's actually supposed to create more intimacy and for us to go to the conflict rather than away from the conflict. It's like when you're in a covenant of marriage, you're supposed to be in covenant with people at the church. You're supposed to protect the relationship and to honor and value each other before yourself. So covenant means we go to the conflict and not away from the conflict. True honor and true love comes out of difficult relationships. Covenant people do the work when we are in conflict. Covenant people actually do Matthew 18 when you are at odds with your brother. The Bible says you're to go to them privately. That's another message I'm going to talk, talk about later. We're to go to them privately. <laughs> you mean I can't come to Chuck and say, man, gosh, I'm so ticked off at Joe. I can't believe he did this. That's, that's what we end up doing in the body of Christ. But when I'm in covenant relationship, it's like, no, my relationship with you is more important than our disagreement. So I'm going to come to you in my disagreement. I'm going to say, I'm hurting. I'm sorry, but I'm hurting. I don't understand why you did this. I don't understand what's going on. I'm going to move towards you and not away from you because my covenant says I've given up my right to quit with you as we walk together to fulfill God's purpose. Anybody getting this? You know, I get it. Loving people is scary. It looks kind of like this. <laughs> I mean, loving people's tough. Being in covenant with people is really difficult. And loving people who fail is even more difficult. Loving people who are sinning, loving people who are creating themselves a bad reputation. And when that bad reputation then affects you, you go, ain't doing it. Later. You're now making me look bad. I can't tell you how many people, oh yeah, you're that church that you let that person do this and that person do this. Oh my goodness. Yep, sure do. And I love them right where they're at because I believe they're moving towards Jesus. And if they're stuck in sin and they're living in sin, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to them. I'll say, hey, what's going on, dude? But I believe there's a supernatural power and favor that rushes into the life of those who want to walk in covenant. I believe there's something we're missing as a church. There's a unity we're missing. There's something we're missing because we're missing this issue of covenant okay. in our relationships. 
I believe this is a warning from heaven that God's saying, I want you guys to get certain things straight because I believe there's a power and an anointing and a favor that God wants to put on this house and to put on this people, but we can't quit on our relationships and we can't quit on God. We have to be a people of covenant. Can I have an amen? Because I believe that covenant is the cementing of our lives together. It's this thing where God binds us to himself and he binds us to each other where we will not quit and we will not give up on each other. That we are literally tied to one another for the purpose of God. I promise you, I am so much better because I'm in relationship with you guys than if I was by myself. I promise you, there are storms we're going to have to weather in our nation, in this church. There are storms that are coming that, are, that we don't even know that are coming. And God's saying, get ready for the storms because you're going to need each other. You're going to need each other really, really well. And you're going to have to be in covenant. And you're going to have to not quit in the relationships. We've already weathered some storms physically. I mean, we've weathered storms with Gary Tower and his health, and we won some. We weathered a storm with, with, with Kristen. We weathered a storm with Joel and his paralysis, and thank God God healed him and set him free. Yeah. And those are, physical, those are physical things. But we've also weathered other storms. We've had other storms that have come to this house, and we've had to war, and we've had to pray, and we've had to seek God's face. Because everything's not perfect here. Can I have an amen on that? We know that. Gosh, darn, we know that. But you don't know what storm you're going to have to weather. And when I look out here at the congregation and I look at some of the faces I see, I've weathered some storms with you. We've fought some battles together. We've fought some battles together. We've seen God do some things. And who knows what battle we're going to have to face. But I promise you, we're like the redwood trees of California. We're tall, three, four hundred feet. These trees that stand up on pencil heads. They're like a pencil sitting on top of the... But the only way they have strength is because their roots are intertwined together. Their roots connect each other. And that's what makes them strong from the specific west winds and the storms that come off the coast. It's because they're, they're networked together in relationship. I believe God is awakening his bride and trying to get her ready for his return by making her ready. By making her ready as a people of covenant. Not quitters. When we people, when we here at New Covenant, I, I remember Rachel many years ago saying, I'm, "I'm all in." And when we're a people of covenant with God and with each other, I believe God will bring such favor to this house and such power and such anointing and such strength and such love will mature this house and there will be a synergy that comes to this house to accomplish God's purposes. That's what I believe with all my heart. Amen. I'm getting ready to show a video on Bill Johnson who pastors Bethel Church out in California.
And it's a, it's a video that really displays even better uh, what I'm talking about in covenant. And I think it's really going to touch your heart. And I pray it convicts us about what covenant is. But in this video, um, does, anybody, does anybody recognize the name Todd Bentley? Todd Bentley led a revival in Florida many years ago. And there's even some people from our church that went to that revival, and there was many signs, wonders, and miracles. And uh, Todd, Todd blew his life up, divorced his wife, and, and Todd was so criticized by the body of Christ. The body of Christ was not in covenant with Todd Bentley in his trial and his struggle. But this video shows how... Pastor Bill walked out covenant with him, even though he was in the process of blowing his life up. And, and, and I pray that this video kind of helps kind of seal what we're talking about when it comes to not quitting on each other. And so here's the video. How in God's name can you he got this email. This is an email he got. He's a little frustrated because a pastor emailed him. So I wrote him back. My answer is a little longer than this question. Have you spent time with Todd? Do you know him? Have you watched him with his wife? And have you seen how he treats his kids? Have you spent any time with his staff? Have you been to his ministry? Has he been to yours? Have you laid hands on him and prayed? Has he laid hands on you and prayed? Have you grieved over tragedy together? <clears throat> Have you celebrated victory together? Has he sought your counsel? Have you traveled a great distance just to meet with you privately for advice? Have you ever received his counsel? Have you ever been in a room when God shows up on used in stunning miracles? Have you seen him operate the word knowledge of prophetic? Have you met with his council of elders? Have you personally benefited from his gift? Has he benefited from your gift in ministry? Has he ever honored you for who you are? Have you sacrificed for his welfare, for that of his family? Have you sought God with him? Have you ever worshipped the Lord with him? I didn't think so. I have. And I'll continue to support those I have walked with in life and ministry. He is my friend. More importantly, God calls him friend. And if you and I were ever friends at that level, and people hated you, turned against you, started web pages to tear down your ministry, criticized you to your friends, wrote against you in Christian magazines, criticized you on the radio, wrote emails to other conference speakers and authors, I'd still be your friend. By the way, criticism in the form of a question is not a question. But to respond to your statement, how in God's name can you endorse Todd Bentley? It's easy. I do it in God's name. Amen. Who would you do that for in this house? 
Bill Johnson, Rick Joyner, and several other men are now walking out their covenant with him as he's blown his life up. Most men, when they blow their life up, they run from spiritual leadership and they hide. I thank God that Todd didn't hide, but he submitted himself to leadership. But these men are in covenant with him and they're getting opportunity to die, to risk their reputation as they have been assaulted as leaders. How do you dare support Todd Bentley? How do you dare All I can say is, I've got to grow in honor and I've got to grow in covenant relationship myself. Because all of us want to quit. All of us want to quit on relationships that are difficult, but it's in the difficult part of the relationship that we actually grow in our capacity for covenant and grow in our capacity to love well and to represent Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven well. It's when things aren't going well that most people abandon the ship. And I am curious, who in this church would you take a bullet for? Who would you risk your reputation like Bill did in the church in order to stay connected and not quit on that relationship? I tell you what, it takes great humility and it takes great honor to walk that out right there. The New Testament church had some of this honor and this love for one another. And what happened with that kind of covenant that they had with each other? They didn't have 55, or 155, excuse me, they didn't have 155 choices of churches in Jerusalem like we have in Henry County. You can go to any of the 155 churches in our county that you want to. And there's way too many choices because there really is just one church. But I believe God calls you to a church and he calls you to covenant. And you should never be in any church unless God hasn't called you to that church. And if God's called you to that church, you can't quit. You can't quit when you have a disagreement. You can't quit on the covenant. You can't quit on relationships. And when we don't quit on relationships, the power and the favor of God comes. It is a byproduct of unity. It's a byproduct of covenant. Favor is attracted by covenant keepers. People who don't quit. My question to you guys this morning as I land this plane is are you going to be willing to make a covenant with God and us in this house?
There's a lot that God is doing to sure some things up in our hearts. But have you given up your right to quit? Are you in? Has God called you here? Or are you one foot in and one foot out? Are you here for the benefit of you and your family? Or are you here to build the kingdom? That's a big question. I have an action plan for us. Um, what I feel like God wants us to do. And I originally was going to lead us through a time of repentance and, and, and that, but I, I really sense that God wants us, <laughs> I may be completely wrong, maybe there's something else that God's going to do this evening, or right now, um, that I'm not aware of. Um, but I think we need to repent. I think we need to get alone with God for our flippant relationships and not being deep with each other. Does that make sense? I think we need to repent before God for quitting on people. And I'm going to, uh, here, here's the action plan, and then I'm going to share an example that happened with me this week as God was in my quiet time. And I'm going to share how this is working out in my life that might now help you in this action step that I'm going to, you might want to take a picture of this because you're actually supposed to probably do this this week. <laughs> action plan means we're supposed to take action. And so as we're talking about covenant, we're going to be taking some action in covenant with God and with people. And so I'm going to go over this real quickly, and then I'm going to kind of give you an example of number three in my own life. I think what we need to do this week is we need to really ask the Lord and ask ourselves, who are we in covenant with right now? I believe we need to make a list this week. Are we in covenant with our spouse or not? Or are we ready to quit? Are we in, any, are we in a covenant with our friends, our parents, uh, our pastors? How about the worship team? I thought about the worship team. It really requires covenant up here. To do what they do, it requires a covenant relationship. It requires a agreement that we're going to do something together. We're going to bring the presence of God into this house in such a way. But it's going to require us in agreement. It's going to require practicing. It's going to require stuff from us. And so are you even in covenant within the worship team? You see how that works? Or maybe it's the ministry team or it's a team within the church. Are we in covenant with anybody in the church? Are we in covenant as members of this church? And maybe you might be in covenant with no one. There are literally people who trust no one, and so they're in covenant with no one but themselves. Whew. It's a dangerous place to be, because that's where you get picked off. And then we're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to confess the sin of giving up on people and not staying in covenant, and we're going to ask God to forgive you and, and them. You guys got that? Then number three, is there anyone you need to forgive or is there anyone that you need to ask to forgive you? Who have you failed? Or who has failed you? Who have you quit on and who has quit on you? Who have you distanced yourself from? Who has distanced themselves from you? Now walk out the word of God and forgive others and ask them to forgive you. And this is where my example comes in. So there's somebody that's not been a part of our church for quite a while. And I was in my quiet time and I was praying. And um, the Lord told me to reach out to them. And so I'm going to read what I said to them, to you. 
because this is my part of doing number three. In my quiet time this morning, God put you on my heart. I want you to know how much I love you. I'm so sorry that people in the church have hurt you. I'm so sorry that people in the church have hurt you. We are family, my friend, and I ask that you would forgive us. Please forgive all that have hurt you. We have been through so many great things that God has done. He has completely changed your family. I miss you, and I do not want to do life without you. This is not a ploy to get you back to church. This is my heart's desire to see God glorified in you and your family's life and to remind you that we all love each other so much. Even through all the warts, warts, sins, and immaturity in the church. I will never quit on our relationship, even with the warts, and I, will, and I want to be in covenant with you. Please don't let the enemy twist these words. They come from a sincere heart of love for you. I am praying for you. You are amazing. Let's get together. And I got a response back that the person loved me dearly and that I was not the problem. And I haven't responded yet because the person doesn't realize that I'm in covenant with the people of this church. And the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. But actually, because someone else has hurt this person, I have hurt them because I'm part of you and you're part of me. We're one. And so I was repenting on behalf of the body of Christ and asking them to forgive the body of Christ for a hurt. But I want to be in covenant. Now, whether that covenant gets responded back, I find out now whether that person is going to be in covenant with me and this church. But all I can do is I can do three. Is there anyone you need to forgive or to ask to forgive you? If you know anyone is at ought with you, the Bible says you are to go to them and you're to reconcile with them. You're to actually go and to restore the relationship to you. It's like passing through the bull guts. It's like splitting the bull and walking through the blood and the guts. It's messy. It's nasty. It stinks. It's misunderstanding. The Leviathan twists words. The enemy comes to corrupt and divide. But if you have humility in your heart and honor in your heart and you're not there to control them, you can walk through the blood and say, let's do this together. Anybody willing to do that? Anybody willing to do that? Is there anybody willing to do that? Yes. Are you going to be a people of covenant? The relationship is more important than being right. Don't make the issue about being right. Don't make the issue about your issue. Make the issue about the relationship. I love you. We're in covenant. 
And then number four, go meet with people and make a covenant not to quit on each other. Promise to be there for them. Promise not to give up on each other as we walk together. Let's stand up, please. Hey, 1206. Hey, where you at? What's the Spirit of God saying to you that you need to mature in the area of covenant? Are you saying yes to God right now? I desire so much to walk what I see Bill Johnson walk out. Bethel is experiencing revival and a move of the Spirit. There's a culture there that is not perfect. And I can talk to a few, my child and Gage and some others that have been there. It's not a perfect place but they are experiencing a move of God's presence and the favor of God because they are the, the leadership. It's not filtered down all the way through the students yet, but the leadership is walking in a high level of honor, a high level of humility, and a high level of covenant. And because of that, the favor of God is being attracted to it, and the presence of God is there. And there are other churches as well it's not just Bethel. But I wonder what favor may be eluding us at New Covenant because there's such bickering and such division in relationships. What, what might be eluding you towards the favor of God in your workplace because of the division and the lack of covenant and not quitting on people at work? What if the atmosphere at work is because you're not being a person of covenant? What about in your home? What if favor in your home and your finances is eluding you because you're not a person of covenant? What if? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would convict us concerning covenant in this house. New Covenant Worship Center. I have had so many people over the last 23 years walk out of my life. And you have too. All because of relational breakdowns. All because we did not give up our right to quit as we walked together. What about you? Are you a covenant keeper? And if not, I pray. I pray that you will repent. I pray that you will ask God to forgive you. I ask that you would begin to move towards relationships. I pray that you will take this action plan seriously and begin to be the solution in this house. Be the solution in this house and move towards relation, difficult relationships rather than away from them.
So, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would come, that you would convict us, that, Father, you would help to move us towards covenant in this house, covenant with you and covenant with each other. Father, we surrender our hearts. We surrender our right to quit. Will you say, I surrender my right to quit? God, I surrender my right to quit. On your your people here, And I refuse to quit on you, God. I am here because you put me here. And I refuse to quit in Jesus' name. Now, Father, deal with my heart. Remove the stony heart and give me a heart of flesh. And help me not to quit on people, but to follow your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen.